The hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. I am so glad you joined me today. I don't think you'll be disappointed because I have some pretty interesting stuff on tap for us. What I'm going to do is I'm going to spend a few minutes talking about the big picture and then I'm going to give you a couple of stocks that you can take away and you can do your own research on because that's really what this show is all about giving you ideas that you can take away and you can research to see if they're appropriate for your portfolio. You just don't want to buy something because you heard it on the radio or maybe read it in a magazine. No, you always need to do your own research. When we come back after the break, I'm going to give you 10 rules for investing that will hopefully make you a better investor over the long run. Let's spend a couple of minutes on the market here. We came into the week with the S&P and the Dow sitting at new highs. Yes, the small and the mid-cap names have mostly lagged over the last six months, but they may be in the process of catching up. So let's keep an eye on that. The really big theme that I've been talking about is that we are transitioning from a liquidity-driven market to an earnings-driven market. And this is going to take some time. It's not going to happen overnight. And along with this transition from liquidity to earnings is going to come volatility. Right now, the S&P is in the longest stretch in 20 years without at least a 5% correction. And of course, some people are going to argue that, hey, we're way overdue for it. And yes, I think it'll show up. But when? Well, that's really anyone's guess. It's a normal occurrence. What's not normal is that we haven't had one in so long. Valuation measures give you a good sense of what's going on longer term, but they're not so good shorter term. When you look around, there's more than enough to be worried about. You have a great deal of political uncertainty, North Korea, hurricanes keep popping up like whack-a-moles. You have an incredibly low VIX. Margin debt is at or near an all-time high, $550 billion. That's double what we've seen in previous peaks of the market. Cash levels are pretty low. And that's even before we start talking about stock market multiples. But you know what? I don't see any one thing that's telling me to get out of Dodge or Chrysler for that matter. I think there's a good chance that the market is higher by year end. And as a matter of fact, I think earnings could surprise to the upside over the next couple of quarters. And here's the reason why. Since late December, the U.S. dollar has fallen about 9 or 10%. And according to the good folks over at BCA Research, a 1% decline in the dollar equals almost a 1% increase in earnings for the S&P. And that's them using data going back to the 1970s. Keep in mind that about 40% of the revenues from the S&P come from overseas. Now, believe me, I'm still nervous. I'm cautious and I'm probably more picky now than I've ever been when it comes to prices that I want to pay for stocks, but I'm not a seller either. It just gets harder and harder to put new money to work. Let's talk about individual stocks. It's what I love to do. I gave you a couple of ideas last week, and if you're trying to allocate funds now, I think the banks are the place to look. According to FDIC, net interest income is at its highest level in four years. 
Return on assets is at its highest level in 10 years. If the economy is relatively healthy, the bank should benefit. And I think the best bank in America right now is U.S. Bancorp, symbol USB. It's trading around $52, paying a little over a 2% dividend. They're the fifth largest bank in America if you're going by assets or deposits or market cap. But you know what? At $52, it's too expensive. That's too much for me to pay. Come on, you folks already know that I'm cheap. I'm trying to buy bargains here. Where I think it gets reasonable is around $48, which is about 13 times earnings, or what I think earnings are going to be next year, 13 times earnings, which would put, put it uh, in line with its larger competitors. At about 12, 13 times earnings, it's at the bottom end of its historical range. So I'd look at USB. Another group I really like now is the home improvement stocks because you have existing home prices. Well, they're pushing up against their highs, which benefits the home improvement stocks in two ways. First, the high prices drive a shift towards renovation versus buying because new homes are relatively more expensive now. And secondly, existing homeowners they can tap into that higher home equity as a source of funds for renovation. So Lowe's is my pick here, symbol L-O-W, trading around $78, paying a little more than a 2% dividend. And when I pull out my trusty value line, I look at it, and according to value line, earnings over the last 10 years have grown at 7% per year on average. And over the last five years, they've grown at 18% per year on average. That's phenomenal. Earnings growing at 18% per year on average for the last five years. And I tell you, Lowe's is generating a pretty decent amount of free cash flow, or what I call owner's earnings, about $6.40. And they've been using that free cash flow in a very shareholder-friendly way. They're paying that better than 2% dividend, as I said. And they've been growing that dividend significantly. They've increased it by over 20% per year for the last five years. That's according to Value Line. I might add that they've paid an increasing dividend for 55 straight years. Think about that. 55 straight years of an increasing dividend. And you know what? They've also used that free cash flow to reduce their share count. Over the last 10 years, they've darn near bought back half of the company. Now, as far as valuation is concerned, because we're always looking at valuation, at $78, where it's trading at now, that puts them trading about 15 times next year's earnings. Again, my guess of what next year's earnings are gonna be. And that's near the bottom of the range that it's traded at over the last 15 years, just like USB. Value Line gives them a financial strength rating of A+, which is the highest you can get, and balance sheets, I'll tell you, they do matter. They get an earnings predictability score of 100, which is the highest. That's on a scale of 1 to 100. And a safety rating of 2. And that's on a scale of 1 to 5, 1 being the highest. So great marks across the board. This is certainly a very good company that's trading well below the market. I think under $76, it's a buy. I'd look at the clock and it's time for us to step away. So we're going to step away, take a break. When we come back, I'll have one more stock for you. And I want to give you my 10 rules that I think will make you a better investor over the long term. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. We are back in just a moment. 
You've worked hard. You've saved and invested along the way. Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off so you can do what matters most to you, whether it's giving back to your community or ensuring a safe, comfortable retirement. It's never too late to start planning. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. If you want someone who can help you navigate the investment landscape, then please visit us at our website, xmlfg.com or call us at 301-770-5234. Thank you and welcome back to today's show. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman. Don't forget to visit us at our website. It's xmlfg.com. Once again, it's xmlfg.com. I was talking to Brett Bernstein and those folks who don't know Brett, Brett is a co-founder of the group and he's also a CFP. So I've convinced Brett to come on in a couple of weeks and we're gonna do a financial planning show. So some pretty exciting stuff coming up in a couple of weeks. We've already talked about a couple of stocks. Now let's talk about rules for successful investing. I sat down and I wrote 10 rules that I thought would hopefully make you a better investor for the long term. So let's dive right into it. Rule number one probably the most important one you have. It's have a plan. And I mean a real plan. And you got to commit to it. If you're building a house, what do you do? You go out and you get blueprints. You just don't start hammering boards together. If you decide to challenge yourself, you want to run a marathon, then what are you going to do? You'll come up with a training program. And if at some point you want to retire, and I'll put retirement in quotes here because Retirement means so many different things to different people. But if you want to retire at some point, then you need a plan. The plan is the foundation. It tells you what you need to do savings wise, and it tells you what you, your investments need to do for you. Once you know this, that's when you can start to develop your asset allocation. And I'm talking stocks, bonds, and cash. If you don't need a lot of risk, then you shouldn't take a lot of risk. Since it's football season, I'll start breaking out the sports analogies. I'm sure you'll appreciate this. If the Redskins are winning by 40 to nothing in the first half, do you think they're going to come out in the second half and start throwing Hail Marys? Oh, no, 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 no. What they're going to do is they're going to play smart. They're going to play defensive. And quite frankly, they're just going to try not to blow it. The goal for them is to win the game, not to score as many points as they can. And I tell you, most listeners out there don't need to achieve these double digit type returns. So if you can call down on the risk, well, why wouldn't you? Just, it's common sense. In my humble opinion, trying to achieve 8% type of returns over the next few years is going to be very, very difficult because of current market valuations. So to sum it up, rule number one, have a plan. Turn that invisible into the visible so you can see what you need to do. Develop a reasonable asset allocation. The goal here should be to meet or exceed the plan with an appropriate amount of risk. Studies show you're much more likely to succeed if you have a written plan. Rule number two, and I'm not going to beat on this today, but I tell you what, I will on upcoming shows. I want you to be value oriented. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind you should be value oriented. 
you should have 90% of your stock portfolio in value type stocks. Yes, you can put the other 10% in growth or momentum type stocks. And if you aren't value oriented, keep listening. Maybe I'll convert you over from the dark side. It may take some time, but I think I can do it. I think if you buy quality companies and you buy them inexpensively, then you naturally assume less risk. Now, that doesn't mean no risk. There's always risk in investing. You know that. But my point here is, if you can take less risk and still get to where you want to be, well, again, that just sounds like good common sense to me. And I tell you, the world would be a lot better place with more common sense in it. Rule number three, be patient. Don't expect to have an investment payoff right after you buy it. Because you know what? It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. No, you need to be like Aunt Betty. And we all have an Aunt Betty in our lives. Aunt Betty, she's the one who bought 100 shares of ExxonMobil 50 years ago, stuck it in her kitchen drawer and let it grow. She didn't look at it every day. She didn't get the stock. Pro- no, she put it in the drawer and she let it do its thing. Own good companies based off of fundamentals and be patient. That's rule number three. Rule number four, know your limits. I think it was Albert Einstein who said, if you can't explain it to a six-year-old, then you don't understand it yourself. If you're managing your own portfolio, it's really important to know what you're good at and what you're not good at, what you understand and what you really don't understand. If you really know what you own and why you own it by doing your research, again, you always do your own research. But if you know what you own, and why you own it by doing your research, it's gonna give you that conviction you'll need when the market gets sideways and people start to panic and act irrationally. Don't ever feel bad about sitting out on something that you don't understand. Getting outside of your circle of competency, never a good idea. Rule number five, don't trade. I'll say it again, don't trade. There's a lot of new investors out there who trade stocks back and forth. They're taking small profits here and there. But I tell you, any really experienced investor knows the futility of doing this. When you're trading in and out of stocks, you need to look at the cost, the cost of things like commissions, fees, taxes. But most importantly, and this kind of goes back to rule number three, it's the missed opportunities. You end up finding a great company, right? You spend a lot of time on it you buy it and you make a couple of bucks and then you sell. Well, now what? I tell you, there aren't that many great investments out there. Rule number six, be cheap, be proud. I am. Usually when someone says so-and-so is cheap, it's with a bad connotation. When it comes to the market, tell you what, I think it's a badge of honor. Nothing wrong with being cheap here. You want to figure out what a company is worth and then buy it for less than that. I will say that when you do this, you wanna make sure that you give yourself an ample margin of safety, and you do that in case your calculations are wrong or your expectations of the future of the business is wrong. Basically, what you wanna do is you wanna buy a dollar for 50 cents. If you can do that, you'd do it all day long, wouldn't you? Rule number seven. Don't get caught up in these short-term price movements. Pepsi, for example. Pepsi can go up a couple of dollars one day, 
down a couple of dollars the next day, depending on the news. But I tell you what, chances are that they didn't sell more Pepsi one day and a whole lot less the next day. No, it's just the news and the short term type stuff. I tell you, long term, real wealth is created by latching on to great businesses run by good, honest managers who act like owners. The managers who make the right asset allocation decisions, the ones who grow their dividends, the ones who grow the value of the business over the long term. That's what you're looking at, the long term. Rule number eight, don't go chasing for yield. In my 20 year career, some of the biggest screw ups I've seen have come from chasing yield and people buying what they didn't understand. First thing that comes to first example that comes to my mind are the mortgage rates. I've seen this happen a couple of times. If something is yielding twice as much as everybody else out there, well, then you need to be careful. Rule number nine, I want you to review your portfolio and, and your financial plan while we're at it. You can't just take your financial plan, throw it up on the shelf and forget about it. No, you need to look at that at least say once a year. But I want you to review your portfolio and I want you to pay attention to the poor performers. There are plenty of investors who have a tendency to sell their winners and they feel good about themselves and they hold on to their losers thinking, well, I just wanna get my money back and then I'll get out of it. And you know what? They end up with a big ball of yuck. They're holding all their losers. You should be doing just the opposite. You should be looking at exiting your losers and holding your winners. Rule number 10, and this is the last one I'll do today. And it's really a quote rather than a rule. And I think it was Warren Buffett or Ben Graham said it. Always remember rule number one in investing. Don't lose money. Rule number two, don't forget rule number one. Okay, so that's it for our 10 rules of investing. Hopefully they'll help you in the long term. Let's talk about one more stock. We have just enough time to do this. It's Apple, symbol AAPL. It's trading right around $160, paying a 1.5% dividend. And I know you folks are probably tired of hearing me talk about Apple. I own it. It's in my portfolio. There's no secret that I love this company. And, it, and again, I own it just like I own USB. I own Lowe's. But there's a big difference between liking or loving a company and liking the stock. You can love the company and hate the investment. In this particular case, I like both. I like the company, I like the stock. Most of you have probably heard that they've introduced the new iPhone X, which to me seemed like a pretty strong upgrade. The new X is going to have facial recognition instead of that touch fingerprint ID. It's gonna have edge to edge display. It's gonna have a neural engine to enable machine learning algorithms. Uh, wireless charging, some pretty interesting stuff here. And they also introduced the iPhone 8 and the iPhone uh, 8 Plus uh, upgrade, as long as uh, along with the new Apple Watch 3. As a matter of fact, did you know that Apple is the biggest watch seller in the world? The new watch is gonna have cellular service available, so you don't need it tethered to your phone, what have you. So uh, let's call Apple. It's trading at $160. That means they're trading at, at about 17 to 18 times earnings. If they grow their earnings by 12%, which I'm guessing is what they do, 
I think they'll end up earning somewhere around 10 and a quarter for next year's $10.25. That would mean that they're trading at 15 to 16 times next year's earnings. That's, yes, I know what you're thinking. That's more than the average over the last five years. But I tell you, it's not com- it's not crazy compared to the rest of the market and even the rest of the big cap tech names. That's when you look at that $160 uh, stock price, don't forget Apple has $30 net cash per share. So you could argue that it's even cheaper, but you know what? I'm gonna leave that for another day. What I really like about Apple is that they report clean numbers, clean, straightforward gap numbers, not these uh, adjusted earnings that I think way, way too many companies are emphasizing now. They're, They're emphasizing adjusted numbers. And again, I'll leave this for another day because if I get started on it, I won't stop. Apple is generating a ton of free cash flow, which is the first thing I look for in a company. They've grown their free cash flows substantially over the last few years because of the strong revenue growth that they've had and high margins that they produce. To give you an idea, they've generated over $6 billion in free cash flow alone last quarter. And that's right, they're, they're turning around and they're returning a good bit of that back to the shareholders like me. Back in April, they raised their capital return program from 250 billion to 300. So far through the third quarter, the company's returned back almost 12 billion to shareholders through dividends and buybacks. So if you own it, own it, continue to own it. If you don't own it and you're cheap like me, maybe you nibble when it gets under $155. If we do have some pop-up type correction, some normal type correction, and it goes to 145, well, that's where I take a full type position. Full type position depends on you and your risk tolerance and all that kind of stuff. But at 145, that's where I'd have a full type position. A look at the clock. That's about all we have time for today. We'll be back next Wednesday with new ideas. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. This has been Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. The opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the host and may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Information provided should not be construed as personalized investment advice or a solicitation to buy or sell any security or engage in a particular investment strategy. You should consult your personal financial advisor before investing to make sure an investment is appropriate for your situation. Furthermore, this information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax or legal advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified tax or legal advisor. Investing strategies such as asset allocation, diversification, or rebalancing do not assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. There are no guarantees that a portfolio employing these or any other strategy will outperform a portfolio that does not engage in such strategies. 
XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.